So we're back. We are in Santilalia today on today's show. It's a very windy, windy old day on Ibiza. Everything being blown absolutely everywhere. And luckily, the wind blew me into the beautiful space that is uh, the treatment home uh, of craniosacral therapist on Ibiza that I've um, been visiting for quite some time now. So it's really lovely to welcome you onto today's show, Manuela. Emmanuel, even. I've always called you that as well, which is brilliant. Great way to begin. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I know. You always call me Emmanuela. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yes. Welcome in my home. Yeah. Thank you very much. I do spend quite a lot of time here, so it does feel good to be back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I mean, where are you from originally? Well, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, I was born in London. Uh, but my mother's French, hence the name Emmanuel. Uh, but I was born and raised in London, yeah. And how long were you sort of um, studying cranio before you sort of brought it to Ibiza with you? Right, well, I've, oh, a long time ago, I sort of came to study craniosacral therapy in 94, and I probably finished my studies in 97 because um, I did quite a few modules and levels. Uh, I was so hooked. I mean, it really is my passion. So I studied it for quite a few years. Um, and I bought it, well, I bought it with me when I came here in 2014, which is probably the third time I came to, to live in Ibiza. Ah, sounds like there's a little bit of a juicy old story there in there somewhere because it is the kind of island um, that obviously you know draws people back time and time again. I think Toby said on the first podcast is the it's the island with the statistics for most missed flights in the world. I don't know <laughs> if that's actually true, but we'll go with it. Uh, so, what was it? What was you know what was it that brought you back three different occasions before you settled? Oh God, I don't know. It just Ibiza seems to just get into my blood. Um, I first came in '78 when I was a, a teenager. Um, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> uh oh, and uh, and uh, every time I went back, well, I used to come on holidays most of the time until I was about. Uh, 20 and then I decided at 20 to come and move uh, well work for a season um, doing what may I ask well, we want the full details well you'll laugh at this um, I came over I think it must have been early 80s or 83 or something and I ended up working on Playa de Mbossa, <laughs> uh selling Brazilian bikinis <laughs> And um, my little parasol had all these bikinis around the parasol, uh, was planted in front of a little bar. I mean, bear in mind that in those days, Playa de Bossa was nothing like it is now. They were just building space um, that was going on behind me. Um, anyway, the guy that was putting out the mattresses um, asked me if I knew how to massage. And I went, well, no, but I can I can try. And he said, well, I've got this German couple that are really interested in having a massage. So we collected all the empty bottles of suntan cream that we could find. <laughs> and I had a bit of geranium oil on me and we concocted this lovely potion. And I, I started massaging this German couple who absolutely loved it and asked me to massage them every day. So I thought, oh, well, I was really enjoying this. 
Anyway, um... oh my God. I just my mind is boggling over here. I'm trying not to say too much and poke my nose in, but I could just have this vision and image. It's quite glorious. Continue. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we ended up moving up the beach a little bit. This um, Dutch couple um, gave up their little bamboo shop. They were selling um, all sorts of things in their little bamboo shop and they left. So we took over that shop and at the back we built a little extension. This is me and my boyfriend, by the way. So um, I did massage at the back of the shop. That sounds even more. That sounds even more dodgy. Brilliant. Anyway, when I went home after that season, I thought, oh, I'm going to study this. So I did. I, I studied anatomy. Massage we're talking about here. Yes. Just to be clear. Yes, just to be clear. Anatomy and physiology. And, uh, and that's how my, um, well, that's how the doors opened for me, um, studying massage and becoming a therapist. And then I guess, uh, well, I had my daughter in 89 and she was a very colicky baby, cried nonstop for six months. And I thought I was going to throw her out the window and I was a complete mess. And somebody introduced me to a craniosacral therapist who put her hands on her and stopped her crying. And I was completely in awe, completely baffled and thought, oh, I want to know what this is about. So I, I took a course, an uh, introduction course um, on it, and I was just completely taken by, by what I, what I learned. So that was my entry into craniosacral therapy. Mm. And I am still to this day really passionate about it. I think, I mean, I do lots of other things, but for me, craniosacral therapy is, um, it's really where my passion lies, yeah. Well, that really comes across. And, you know, obviously I've been here and uh, experienced your magic, magic healing myths uh, many times. And, you know, it works. And that's obviously why I'm also fascinated to hear more about it. Because, you know, having been someone with an injury, and this is obviously, well, not obviously to anyone listening, but it just really does make such a massive, massive difference. And it is quite subtle. So I've always been kind of a bit more intrigued really as to the actual process itself so I'm I'm kind of you know for people that have no idea what craniosacral therapy was because until I had it I had absolutely no idea Mm. can you kind of explain the nuts and bolts so to speak on how it actually works okay so what craniosacral therapy is I mean it's an offshoot of osteopathy so anybody out there who's had osteopathy will will kind of know what we're working with but with I'm just working with the craniosacral system And that comprises of your cranium, your brain, your spinal cord. And within that spinal cord, there's a little bit of fluid, a tiny amount of fluid that's made at the back of the brain called the cerebral spinal fluid. That fluid circulates around your cranium, down your spine, back up again. And its function is to bring uh, nutrients to your neurons. And it also helps remove waste. And it also lubricates all your vertebrae and your cervicals and it's it's a super important you know it's only a tiny amount but it is super important that it's working at optimal level um so it's a very light touch therapy and that's because the lighter i am the more i can sense and feel the cerebral spinal fluid because that's what's talking to me that's what's telling me uh where restrictions are along your 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 spine and also what's going on with your nervous system So as well as looking at structural issues, like, for example, your neck or people that have got uh, lower back issues, you know, I'm really working on the nervous system. Because for me, over the years of just working with structural or just um, emotional, 
uh, I've, I've come to realize that really the nervous system is the key to everything. If your nervous system is in, um, in a calm, held, open space, then your body can do its own healing. And that's what, we're, what I'm really trying to aim to get people that come to me. I'm really trying to aim them to understand that, that to take responsibility for their own health and to let their bodies do their own healing because bodies can they're super intelligent um well they can't though because like you know i have to butt in here but yeah but just purely because you know uh just by the very nature of picking up our phone when we wake up in the morning and going on to instagram which is what most people do that i know including me actually i'm not gonna lie um yeah that puts you straight into your fight or flight and that is basically the state that i would say the majority of the western world remain in for the rest of the day particularly if you're living in you know cities or stressful situations or jobs or families or whatever it is yeah absolutely joe so that's why i say taking responsibility for your own health (laughs) because you know nobody's making you uh you may think oh i have to check my emails i have to check my facebook i have to you know but you don't you, you, well, you, you can later, but that's not the first thing you should be doing when you wake up. Instead of plugging into our technology, we should be plugging into our own inner technology. And really, it is super important what you do first thing when you wake up and what you're doing before going to bed. Because, you know, I'll explain a little bit about the nervous system because it is so important to understand. You know, we have two states. We have our uh, sympathetic state, which is our fight or flight state. This is the state we're in when we're, you know, uh, in fight or flight mode. So if we take the caveman, he was going hunting, he'd be getting ready. And without realizing it, he'd be getting his nervous system ready to go and attack or flee the other way. So a huge amount of adrenaline's being made. Uh, he would become super alert, super strong, and he was invincible because he was going hunting and he needed to be. Now, the thing is, is when the hunter came home, you know, he'd put his spear on the side and he'd sit around the campfire and there wasn't any electricity in those days or Wi-Fi. So he'd, you know, give himself some time to sort of maybe tell a few hunting jokes or stories and he would just completely calm down. And, you know, as soon as the sun set, he was probably off to bed. Now, the thing is with us in our in our world, you know, we're surrounded by all of this Wi-Fi, electricity, technology. And from the moment we get up, you know, we're switched on. You know, it's like we wake up, cup of coffee, as you say, emails. We haven't given ourselves any time to just wake up, connect with the body. What's going on with me today? How am I feeling? How's my body feeling? Okay, well, maybe I should, you know, do a few yoga stretches, have some hot water and lemon, maybe do some meditation. Well, not maybe, actually definitely do some meditation. (laughs) You know, anything that's going to sort of just keep you very grounded and very still. Um, And what is the last thing we should be doing um, at night? Well, most people come home, busy lives, you know, uh, you're out all day working. Maybe you've got kids, you come home, you've got to do shopping, cooking, you know, have a glass of wine to relax, but that actually keeps your nervous system very switched on. Um, and then we're maybe sending last emails for work or watching television, and then we're reacting to what's on the television. Maybe it's the news or the sad film or the happy film. We're always in this switched on mode. And then we crash. 
Yet the thing is, we're sleeping, but we're still in this very uh, sympathetic nervous state. We're still very much switched on because we haven't allowed the parasympathetic, the rest or restore state to come in. We've just crashed and we end up going to sleep with our jaw clenched, our fists tight, really held. And then we wake up and it's like, oh, here we go again. Another cup of coffee and off we go to work and, you know... Day in and day out, day in and day out, our nervous systems are just continuously on this alert, fight or flight, here we go, I'm coming to attack, or maybe I've got to run the other way. Because the body, um, the body doesn't understand the difference between what a hunter's stress was and what your daily stress is. The body just recognises, oh, adrenaline's being made, cortisol's being made, we might be under attack, or we might have to flee, I've got to, I've got to defend the territory. And whilst the body's defending the territory, it cannot go and look at maybe making more digestive enzymes because that's what you need or bringing more blood to the brain or, you know, you've got um, headaches. So we need to bring oxygen and and blood to to the head to stop getting headaches. It's like, I don't have time to do this. We're under attack. I've got to hold the fort here. And it's only when the nervous system drops into the parasympathetic that the body can let go let down its guard and go ah okay great now I can go and see what needs doing in the body you know oh yes she you know this person needs more uh, enzymes or more blood here or more you know whatever it is that needs doing the body can only heal when it's in that rest and restore state and that's why I say the nervous system is the key to everything and that the body can heal anything it's just that we need to allow it and it's just, it's a, you know, changing our perception, changing our, our way we think about how we start our day. And even during the day, you know, really taking breathers, checking in, taking some deep breaths, you know, just always checking in. Are my shoulders up too high? Oh, let's bring the shoulders down. You know, just silly little things like that, that if we're on the go all the time, we just keep going like the hamster in the hamster wheel. And then we crash. We do indeed. And my favourite sort of um, flip or switch flipping uh, mechanism that you gave me was um, in the name of these two little balls who became uh, Bill and Ted uh, for me. <laughs> and I bought them from the, uh, the Chinese <coughs> shop. They were squidgy and yellow mm. and they had happy, smiley, acid, rave faces on them. So, of course, <laughs> they quickly became my firm friends. And you advised me to put them sort of at the bottom at the back of my head underneath what I believe you call the occiput mm-hmm. um, which controls the wave of liquid leaving from the cranium area and um, yeah that was like a way for me to cut off the supply of that liquid and completely restart or reset the system mm. which is great on this uh, reset rebel podcast to be talking about <laughs> that word um, I had to drop it in there somewhere but you know it really definitely did get me from a to b and i mean obviously that's something that you also do within the course of your treatments but what's what what is the most powerful way to kind of switch out of the you know the fight or flight into the the parasympathetic yeah so we want to go into the rest and restore and there are many ways to do this um obviously this is a technique i use and i teach most of my clients to do it for themselves but you know just deep breathing will put your nervous system into parasympathetic anything that's literally going to make you go (sighs) is going to send a signal that you are now opening up letting go and allowing it could be you could be in front of a beautiful view 
or um, yoga. You know, yoga is a great way of switching your parasympathetic on. As long as you're not getting stressed because you can't get into certain postures, you know, the breath, again, with the yoga. Um, uh, doing things that you enjoy doing, walking in nature, switches your, your parasympathetic on. Um, swimming in the sea, you know, it's things where, anything that is where you are in an allowance, like you're in an open state. Um, but I was interested because you said that sleep doesn't necessarily switch it on. You can sleep when you're still all fired up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sleep doesn't necessarily get your nervous system into parasympathetic. Um, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I know like last night, actually, I had uh, a very light sleep. So imagine if you were really under attack, if it was fight or flight and you had to, you know, you weren't sure if you're going to be attacked or if you had to flee, would you be able to sleep? You'd be sleeping with one eye open, one eye closed because you'd be ready, you know, just in case, you never know. So it's the same thing. If your nervous system hasn't switched off and you go to sleep, you, you'll be asleep, but it won't be a quality sleep. It'll be a very contracted one eye, one open kind of sleep. And what else affects the sleep then? Because you're saying that, you know, obviously this fight or flight situation is definitely a deal breaker in terms of the actual quality of the sleep. But, you know, obviously we know that alcohol, for example, really affects some people's sleep, particularly, (coughs) absolutely, definitely mine. Mm. I mean, what are the main kind of influences? Well, yeah, of course, alcohol, of course, coffee, any caffeine, you know, chocolate, eating late at night before going to bed because you're then digesting food. Living in Spain, that's a little bit of a tricky one to avoid. (laughs) I know, I know it is. Um, But um, basically it's anything that's going to keep your nervous system um, in, in, in that sort of reactive fight or flight state is going to stop you from going into a deep sleep. So the trick again here or the key, I should say, is before going to bed, before going to sleep, you know, if you can just switch off all electrical, you know, do not watch things on your computer, do not send last minute emails or scroll down Facebook because there's that light that switches on that part of your brain. You, you know, ideally, nice, wonderful aromatherapy baths, anything that's going to get you to calm down and switch off before you go to sleep and of course people that have got you know if you're very anxious and you've got a lot on your mind that kind of comes in when you're asleep so it's very uh you know your subconscious works a lot whilst you're asleep so that all comes up and that stops us also going from into a deep state unless your nervous system is really calm but what I want to explain is that this doesn't just happen because you decide okay I'm just going to switch my parasympathetic on you know your your sympathetic if, if it's been working for a very long time is kind of going eh, I'm having a bit of a party here and your parasympathetic is kind of like on a long extended vacation and it's like you know you have to go to the gym to train a muscle you're not going to see the result in two days so you've got to keep switching your parasympathetic on for a few days in order for it to come up to par so that it can calm the nerve the sympathetic down And the more often you put your nervous system into parasympathetic, it kind of goes, oh, yes, this is how I function. This is how I work. And by the parasympathetic being switched on more and more, then it can bring down the sympathetic when it needs to. When we've lost it is when our sympathetic has been too active for too long and the parasympathetic just doesn't know how to bring it down anymore. And what's what's the kind of, you know, the upshot of staying in the parasympathetic? 
the sympathetic nervous system, the, the fight or flight for too long, like obviously burnout, I guess, is one. It, well, exactly. Your body, you know, your body's always sending you messages. At first it whispers, you know, hello, you've got a bit of a headache. Maybe you should calm down. Maybe you need some more rest or, you know. And of course, we're used to, you know, oh, well, I've got a headache. Let me take some paracetamol, paracetamol and move on, you know. Um, and of course, when we don't listen to those little whispers, the body starts knocking harder and we start getting more serious maybe some full-on anxiety or some chronic fatigue or you know even a cold or a flu is a way of the body saying right enough you need to rest and I need to detox what's going on in the body because whilst you're in fight or flight the body can't detox you just keep going in fact uh, that's why for example businessmen that are continuously on the go uh, that, that become very, you know, alert and astute at work. As soon as they, as soon as the weekend comes or they go on vacation, they're sick. And I should say it's not just businessmen, but anybody who's in that very fast pace of living. As soon as you stop, you get sick because your body lets go. Oh, I don't have to hold the fort anymore. I can just let go. But oh my God, I better get rid of some of those toxins that you've been accumulating whilst you've been in fight or flight. And even even yoga teachers that work in Ibiza in summertime or retreat owners exactly. or all of these wonderful all people us. here doing the jobs that, that we do. I mean, I see extreme crash and burn at the end of the summertime, yes. not just obviously the yoga teachers, but, you know, the barmen, the biz, you know, the Absolutely. restaurant managers, the people that are working in a seasonal island like yeah. this, like totally and utterly, mm. you know, keep you in business. <laughs> and this is the stress of where we live here. And the stress of somebody who lives in London will be different, but they will be also stressing about things as well. But yes, I came to Ibiza thinking, yes, I'm going to live a less stress, uh, stressful life. You know, it is very stressful living here sometimes and it's full on. So the key again is to take responsibility for our own health and our nervous systems and to look after ourselves so yes I know it gets very busy but time for yourself to receive uh, a treatment a massage a swim you know those are the things that are going to keep you balanced and stop you from having burnout at the end of the season uh, of course you know one lots of people are very good at giving but not receiving and especially receiving for themselves to themselves you know um so yeah it's not a luxury it's a necessity <laughs> well people just think that they don't have time or they you know and obviously they're always the ones that that need it the most when they don't have time to receive but they're yeah. constantly giving I mean they can't be a one-way street in this world it doesn't matter what it is whether it's you know um yeah just doing anything there has to be a two-way flow of traffic to, to keep the balance and once you've literally just been on constant <coughs> output mode and there's been no input it's obvious what's going to happen next. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, the key is to, to stop it before it gets too chaotic. I mean, it's, you know, it's as simple as, you know, when you go on holiday or you're, you're not at home, you can see your life from a distance and you can see what's going on over there because you're not in it. Mm. And, you know, you're having a bit of a holiday, so you relax and then you can make some decisions some constructive you know oh okay well when I go back maybe I should do this differently maybe I should uh, eat this or not eat this and uh, work less or work more here but not here when you're away from it you can make you can see it all so clearly and it's the same when your nervous system is in that parasympathetic you can 
you're in that very sort of one step removed so that you can see the chaos, you can see where change needs to be made. You're not in that reactive state. You're in, okay, no, no, I need some time for myself now. I'm going to say no to this, yes to that, yeah? So it's, it's, it's catching it before you're in it and you can't see it and you're like kind of drowning. Then, then you need somebody like me to really assist you on, on, uh, on calming the nervous system so that you can kind of go drop into the rest and restore and from that state you're going to feel a lot lighter a lot more in uh, in control of your emotions uh, able to make constructive decisions and let your body do what it needs to do so you're kind of just bringing people back down into their natural natural state or the preferred state that I guess most of us would probably benefit a lot more from from being in most of the time and that is just kind of like a point of homeostasis to, to a degree, isn't it? That you're kind of getting people to come back to themselves. Yeah, that's, that's you know, partly what I'm doing. Uh, wh- and then whilst, when they have reached that coming back to themselves and just letting go, that's when I can help remove any physical restrictions that they do have and any emotional blockages that they want to release. But only when they're in that state, because otherwise they're coming from the head or from a contracted state and it just doesn't last you know it just just keeps coming back I think the physical um representation of of what you just mentioned there was I you know when I get get on your couch which is always uh nice and cozy and warm with those electric blankets in the in the (laughs) winter time it's um yeah you know you drop down into what feels like a state somewhere between almost like sleep and consciousness Mm. um it's a really dreamy kind of world and then sometimes I kind of like come back and I'm you know twitching all over the place and I feel like it's almost like um, I'm sort of Spider-Man and I've got like energy shooting out of my fingertips or my toes (laughs) which is quite weird but kind of amazing Um, and what is that all about? Well I mean first of all whenever you're so you described it very well am i spider-man that's the question (laughs) not yet damn it don't look like spider-man um no what was i going to say so you're when you're when you're when you go into parasympathetic your nervous system releases and all sorts of things can happen from you know sort of twitching to laughing hysterically crying uh coughing you know you're basically in that state of openness and allowing so your nervous system debunks however it needs to um now eight hour uh, sorry 45 minutes of craniosacral therapy is the equivalent to eight hours quality sleep which is why after a session you can feel really you know recharged and ready to to do whatever you know whatever you need to do because you've gone into a total rest state in 45 minutes so that's why you know people that meditate a lot or 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 yogis or you know well obviously yogis meditate a lot but that practice yoga that meditate that are in that state a lot of the time they only need about three four hours sleep you know well that's all that's all i had this morning i can tell you that for nothing i was up at quarter past five to get over to calicompter to teach a sunrise yoga class and it was the same thing as soon as i woke up i did feel like that tension of like oh god you know you know got to get over there it was like catching a flight or something i felt quite anxious about Mm -hmm. missing that Mm -hmm. alarm call and actually weirdly i woke up before the alarm even went off which does signify the fact that basically i had a rubbish sleep because i was 
on tenter hooks about actually having to wake up so mm. it is that kind of mm. feeling of um yeah just having something important to do when you yeah. wake up well the the thing is i mean obviously you had to wake up really early but if you could have woken up maybe 15 20 minutes before you needed to get up and started your morning with some deep breathing even before you've just moved out you know gotten out of bed just really gone into some deep breathing then maybe five ten minutes meditation and a, and a few yoga um asanas before you know you went off you just started your day in a little bit more of a even parasympathetic keel you wouldn't have gotten that oh my god oh my god you know i've got to get all the way to caliconta and da, 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 teach a yoga class it's i think that was more just as soon as i opened my eyes it was like that oh my god you know i don't i wasn't just leisurely chilling out like i have been for the, the last few months in the winter it wasn't yeah. you know, i haven't even set an alarm i mean look i'm not boasting here i'm just saying like lucky you know, i have been very lucky that i haven't had to set yeah, an alarm yeah. and i do wake up quite early mm-hmm. naturally yeah. but i think it's just that when you go back into full-blown work mode and i've been oh, teaching yeah. privates now for the last mm. two weeks which mm. i haven't taught for like you know months so it was it was just purely that like you know momentary opening my eyes and having something pressing to do you know mm. with, a, with a time schedule because you know I think that's just something that's obviously a world I left behind when I lived in London as a journalist or, you know, I haven't had appointments or back to back. And when I have kind of two or three or four of those in my diary, like either classes or places I have to go or be, and I have to be there at a strict time, I get really stressed out about that. That's maybe probably why I had to leave that lifestyle behind (laughs) because it wasn't wasn't working for me. But that's just normal life for so many people. Yeah. Okay. So, what's it, what's the question exactly? What are we, what are you asking here? Because what you've just described is absolutely normal. What I'm trying to get you to see is that um, you know, again, going back to taking responsibility. Yes, that that's what triggers you, and for you, that's like, oh my god, this is too much. It's too much. That means you need to just you know back off just a little bit. And as I said this morning take some deep breaths before you get out of bed so you don't get into that heightened state maybe not have a coffee because you know that coffee is gonna stimulate you like you know yes you feel like wonder woman on it or spider-man but (laughs) you you know your nervous system's going okay here we go fight or flight and it might work one day it might work two days it might work for a week but you know if you keep doing that mode of living every time you get up you're switched on straight away you're going to crash at mm. some point either emotionally or physically so it's it's being it's really being aware of you know the things you do and how you do them mm. and always remembering to just be you know i mean it's easier said than done of course we you know but it's just having that awareness okay how am i feeling you know oh this is making me feel like this okay well maybe i need to just take a step back and come back into my body and calm down you know and and as soon as you've brought your awareness into your body and some deep breathing parasympathetic can come in and you won't feel so anxious and oh my god i mean i guess other people experience anxiety uh well for different reasons but for me this seasonal living which everybody um that doesn't live the same lifestyle here that you know knows me maybe from london or whatever they're always you, you know they, I think they just see my life as one long holiday. But <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest uh, issue with this, for me anyway, personally, which triggers me endlessly, is at the start of the season when you go from A to B. So having all this free time to having a lot of stuff in your diary is like, whoa, like, you know, actually the transition from actually 
I wouldn't say I was doing nothing, but I was certainly dancing to my own sweet tune and loving every minute. And now all of a sudden, not that I don't absolutely love my job to bits, it's like, you know, it is quite stressful actually to suddenly having loads of stuff in the diary and trying to fit it all in and get there on time and get yourself ready and prepare mentally to obviously hold space for other people Mm. to relax. You can't Mm. turn up as a stressed out yoga teacher who didn't know where they were going or, you know, had the wrong address or it's dark or whatever it was, you know, you have to be together and grounded when you arrive so you know it is quite an interesting one when people look at your life and they go oh god she's been off traveling to thailand for the last month but you know when you do come back and you have got to like literally <laughs> give it your all and probably work yeah a lot more than you know the average person then does because you've got to make up for all that time mm-hmm. off it's a, it's a weird one isn't it this seasonal thing oh my god i so resonate with with what you've just said um I, I have that too, you know, going, I have that difficulty of going from the winter mode into the spring, the season started and here we go again, it really, you know, and I'm going to talk from the heart now, I mean, I just went through a few weeks of complete like resistance to 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 spring, I mean, spring used to be a favourite time of, of year for me and uh, hearing myself a few years ago saying, oh no, winter's nearly over, whereas before it was like, yes, winter's over, spring is here, now it's like, oh no, winter's over, here we go. But you know what, it's really recognising it that is your key into, okay, this is how I'm feeling, you know, recognising the trigger, recognising that this is making you feel really anxious and not knowing how to handle it. Because once you know, then you can then you know what to do you know you you know that you're going into this panic anxiety state and resistance well what do I need to do in order to just calm everything down and you know again we have to take responsibility for our own own health so once you recognize that state then you know then you obviously should have some tools that you use to calm everything down. So whether it's your own yoga practice, um, but it is a hard one. It's not an easy one. And it's always about finding balance, isn't it? And that's why we get a little bit thrown off when we go from this winter mode into spring, you know, our routine changes and the balance changes. And we've got to kind of learn how to surf the wave again and how to keep everything still. And Ibiza is full on. The summer is full on and the energy is full on here. And I know people back in uh, the UK or where, wherever, you know, in cities go, oh, my God, she's living in Ibiza. She's having, she's got, she's on holiday the whole, whole time. And of course, we know we're not. We're not, you know, this is um, our stress that we have to deal with. You would have laughed, actually. And um, this morning I arrived to teach this private yoga class in Calicomta and I'd had my little pin drop and I was obviously supposed to find it because there's no road names or numbers or any decent <laughs> like maps in this island. So you just basically, yeah. you've got your GPS, you're trying to drive a car, you're trying not to shine this great big blue light in your face in the middle of the night and kind of like completely lose your mind before you arrive to teach mm. this uh, this moment of zen to your client. And anyway, I got a little bit lost and I couldn't figure out where where this uh, house was and then I started to go up this hill which was a Camino so it was like really craggedy rocky ragged rubbish road and it was really steep and I got to the top and I thought I was going to make it in my golf Volkswagen which clearly isn't four-wheel drive and then I just started to roll backwards and I literally almost had a heart attack I literally you know my heart started racing and I just Mm. had to kind of um pull off the road actually and just take a little moment because I was like I cannot possibly rock up to this man's house having a massive freak out. And that's just, you know, it's not the first time I've I've had that kind of incident on the way to teach a private client because by the very nature of these 
beautiful houses that these that people rent that yeah. come here they're in the middle of nowhere and they're on the side of a mountain and the roads are shockingly bad so not only are you going to probably get lost so i always allow an extra hour usually to find something oh, and b it's just the actual physicality of arriving to that space and being calm and being relaxed and you must have experienced that yourself as well doing your own therapies and practices have you got any good stories oh oh god have i got any good stories well i can't think of a story just offhand but i resonate with that as well you know arriving uh, at some house some camino you know like uh, you're supposed to arrive all knowing it all and all calm and uh it's taken you extra time to get there because you can't find the address and the roads are rubbish or your car breaks down i mean you know we're living in reality here and we're humans so <clears throat> totally resonate with all of that um I kind of, I think I just go into this mode though, if I, you know, I always allow myself extra time so that, for example, what happened to you this morning, yeah, then at least I can stop before I arrive anywhere and just recenter myself, switch my nervous system back into parasympathetic, do some deep breathing, uh, breathe some essential oils, uh, do a little meditation, listen to uh, something on, on, the, on, on the way in the car that's going to keep me in that um, parasympathetic state, you know, anything that's going to just um, sustain me and calm me so that when I do arrive, um, I am in that state. But uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not always easy. But again, you know, I mean, we're, we're human. So we have to have our tools with us. Tennis balls, which is, uh, I don't know if I gave you, well, the tennis balls that you put on your... Bill and Ted, the squidgy little yellow monsters. Yeah. I mean, what they actually do, I mean, it's a great little tool to have because it's a way, it's basically putting pressure on where the craniosacral fluid is made. So if you put a bit of pressure on that area, you're stopping that fluid being made and that straight away switches the, puts the nervous system into parasympathetic. And you lie on them for a couple of minutes and then as soon as you take them off, that fluid drains and you know you can put them back on again, take them off. So maybe hard on a Camino road to do it. <laughs> but uh, you, get my magic balls out. Got, <laughs> Hope they don't roll down the hill. Or maybe on the yoga mat before you start your 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 lesson. You know, anywhere that's on a flat surface and that you can lie down. So and you put the balls um, at the back of the head where the occiput is, and you'll 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 sense this 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 calmness, this letting go. So having those kind of tools, you know, and essential oils. You know, smelling some lavender, some geranium, that automatically puts you in that space. I mean, it's just tiny little things that keep you uh, from going crazy, really. You know, just, mm. just having these tools to learn how to keep centering yourself, coming back into the body and realizing that we're human. So if we do arrive at a yoga class completely like, you know, just have a glass of water, calm down, it's okay. I was wondering what you were going to say. Now, have a glass of uh, sangria. Have a glass, have a Why drink. not? <laughs> Has been known to happen, actually, on the way into a yoga class. I can't lie. Back in the day, when I was still doing the music journalism along, alongside it, it was uh, Chapitos in space one minute and private yoga teaching the next. Right, well, okay. you know, when yeah, in Rome. Yeah. Um, no, you know, this, these things happen sometimes, which is, you know, how, as I've kind of... Um, mentioned a lot in these podcasts we talked about mm. people's reset tools because you have to learn to reset yourself not only to keep yourself healthy but also for those um the purposes of of, of whoever you're kind of interacting with obviously um 
I just like to say I don't do that anymore. <laughs> that was just a mad, <laughs> mad summer when I first arrived. Just sort of, yeah, best not to put myself out there as no the boozing, boozing yoga teacher. Um, but, um, you know, and that's why, you know, this has become such a, a powerful thing for all of us to have, have, have created this process for ourselves. We've gone on this journey to learn how to reset ourselves. So obviously you've just given us all those wonderful tools, which are for you, the reset button and the people that you work with. But, you know, I've been asking everybody, what, what is your fuck it button? If that's the reset button, that's how you get back to, you know, yourself and feeling centered and grounded and ready to take on the world. When you're just in a total, and I'm not going to define this question further. It's just whatever you, you know, what is your fuck it button? What is my fuck it button? So what, what, what just uh, gets me completely in a mess, <laughs> completely stressed out? You can interpret the question any which way. I mean, wow, that's quite a question for some reason. It doesn't come straight to, to mind. Um, well, I, I'm not sure what my fuck it button is, but I think I know that it, when it happens, I have to learn to completely surrender. <laughs> you know, uh, I know that when I'm a complete mess, exhausted, I think lack of sleep, well, it, you know, mental and physical exhaustion would, would do it for me. And I have to know, I have to really learn to listen to my body and know when it's too much and, and to step back and to say no and to surrender to the situation because as long as I am going in fighting thinking that I can win this and that I can still keep going that's my fuck it button then I'm in trouble mm. so um it for me it's like really learning to you know surrender let it go step back if you can't do it so be it you know oxygen mask on me first and the others afterwards but me first super important because that sounds super selfish but it's not you know well it's not when you've got other people to take care of ultimately and once you're ruined then everybody's ruined around you so you know being number one is there's a reason why people say that that's that you have to be able to take care of yourself first before you can look after everybody else and and also I think like one of my editors once said, yeah, just let go of the outcome. Like when you get into that mad, crazy, yeah. bonkers state and you feel like you failed everyone because you can't do what you said you were going to do, which, you know, happens to us, all yeah. of us yeah. sometimes. Um, my initial reaction when I get exhausted and depleted and absolutely spent on all levels, maybe I've taught three or four or five yoga classes in a day in July in the heat and I'm absolutely... I don't do that anymore, but year mm. one, I definitely mm. did. And that's obviously when I was rocketing from space to <laughs> a yoga class with a Chapito, having been consumed perhaps just before that, you know, ridiculous behavior. Mm. Um, but you think you can conquer the world and take on all the work in the world, which is also what I used to do in London as well. When I was, um, you know, working as a music journalist and working as a journalist, as a free, I was always freelance, always. And as a freelancer, you are told not to say no. You become the yes man. And you say yes to everything. And I definitely became that again when I arrived here in Ibiza. And of course, recreated the exact same pattern that I had going on in London because you don't know where your next penny is coming from when you first arrive here. You've got to carve out a little bit of um, an an in income for yourself so you end up doing loads and loads and loads but what I was going to say is that you know when you do reach that point you're absolutely done in and you know for me the fuck it button then would be like right I'm going to have another coffee so maybe I'm going to have three or four coffees that day just to get through it which of course after our conversation (laughs) probably the worst thing I could possibly do is completely get into my fight or flight and stay there all day or 
I'm going to eat a bar of chocolate and I'm going to have probably tell myself I'm going to have one square of dark and I'm, I'm going to eat the whole thing and feel mm. really sick mm. and go to a yoga class feeling like I'm going to vomit on that person's mat. I'll probably obviously style it out and they won't know. But, you know, on the inside, I'm disgusted with myself that I've eaten a whole bar of chocolate, but I needed the sugar. And yeah. once I started, I couldn't stop. You know, there's so many little things that sure. can happen in those moments of madness when you do just go, fuck it, I'm mm. going to eat that whole bar because that will sort me out for the next hour of my life yeah. to get through what it is that I need to achieve. And people just do that all the time endlessly. But then when you've hit that moment when you're so disgusted with yourself, next comes the reset button. And that is how this whole little idea really of the reset and the fuck it just basically living alongside one another so that's why i was intrigued as to what your your little fuck it button might be <laughs> but you don't have to tell us <laughs> your dirty little secret <laughs> god isn't it it's just funny that, yeah i probably eat the wrong foods and probably as you say maybe have a coffee to get me going to the next uh, through the next client mm-hmm. although i have to say that when i'm in work mode um I'm actually, that's when I'm at my best. That's when I'm, my nervous system is calm and I'm in the zone. Um, it's everything else around it for me that uh, would get me to my fuck it button. The getting to clients, the getting to retreats, the, the, the you know, having to do the cooking, the cleaning, the whatever, whatever that, you know, life um, puts on you as well as working. But um, yeah, like you, you know, I think I think my emotions are the ones that probably uh, I, I would I kind of lose it emotionally when I'm not in a good state. So I tend to have a good cry or something. Um, although that's not a bad thing to do at all. That Does that put has. you back into your, your parasympathetic crying? Does that have interest? I'm just intrigued. You know, yeah, I hadn't thought of that one, but yes, absolutely. Mm. Because often we just feel so blocked as humans to be able to actually allow ourselves just to have a good old cry because it's not really that cool, is it? But, you know, it is because it it actually actually is one of the biggest ways that I can let go. Yeah, that it really is. And, um, you know, how you feel after you've had a good cry, you're quite exhausted. So all that tension, all that uh, that you've been holding on to, well, when you cry, that's your way, your nervous system just goes, you know. So, yes, crying, major. I mean, some people don't cry that much, but I actually cry quite a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> and I just think it's, you know, I don't, I don't get all stressed about like letting that out anymore because I just think it is really a great thing just yeah. to let all of that out. Because I get this kind of feeling where my chest just gets a little bit tight or I can really feel like a physical blockage there and it will start to build and start to build and start to build. And if I don't cry at some point and let that out, I'm in trouble. Mm. Absolutely, but you and you're very lucky that you can cry because some people just they they can't. They're so wound up, so tightly, that they just can't let it out. They can't cry, and they get even more. You know, they wish they could, but they can't. Mm. Um, so the ability to cry, I mean, you know, that that's uh, one of the nicest way of releasing. And uh, well, you're very lucky that you can get to that state. You know, I mean, I've even taught um, teams of bouncers from like space back in back in mm-hmm. back in the day you know teams of bodyguards in Ibiza who you know by their very nature of the heat and the kind of stresses and strains of looking yeah. after clients and like really being responsible for them. there's a lot of testosterone that goes on in those camps so actually one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen since teaching in Ibiza and had the privilege to try to be the person that debunks that kind of um you know, highly fueled lack of sleep, stress, tension, heat, anger, mm. drugs, carnage, like the energy they're surrounded by to go in and, and be the person that's, you know, allegedly trying to help them kind of come out of that mad 
uh, crazy state. I mean, tears is definitely one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed, actually. And yoga for me is, is actually a way that I, I can access sure. that kind of uh, point of release. And I, I see it so often in class, you know, people, you know, will just release a massive blockage somewhere in their practice and then the tears come. And, and that's one of the most amazing things that I, I experience doing what I do. And I'm sure you must get loads of that doing what you do as well. Yeah. And going back to the yoga, I mean, you know, because you're going into that posture. So let's say you've got a lot of, um, you know, anger held in the hips and you do a lot of hip openers, then you get a lot of people that can either express anger or or tears because they break down. And it's the same, you know, in in a session in craniosacral therapy, um, you know, we're removing, we're, we're taking layers away. Um, and so the deeper I go in, um, you know, if there's an emotional blockage there, whilst the nervous system is in parasympathetic, I'm able to communicate with the person and let them, you know, open up and maybe remember something that happened to them years ago or, or last week. It doesn't have to matter, but it could be something from childhood or an accident that they had. They can relive the accident. And they've been holding that without realizing somewhere in the body. And I can sense that. I can feel where that energy cyst is in the body and where, you know, that it needs releasing in order for them to completely surrender. So, you know, that's another way people end up getting in touch with that feeling. It could They could sense it through a color, through a shape, through a consistency. And we work through just releasing that, that blockage. And suddenly that physical pain completely goes or, you know, they have an enlightened, you know, a revelation. They hadn't thought about that for years, but it's come up and it's come up for healing. Maybe they have a good cry about it. So, yes, very important to release all of that held emotion in whatever way. It's not always through crying. It could be through laughter. Mm -hmm. You know, laughter is the same as crying anyway. Mm -hmm. Same energy. Now, Elaine and I was uh, um, talking about that actually just um, on the previous podcast. So, mm. yeah, laughter being one of the gr- greatest reset buttons uh, on earth. Absolutely. And, and you know, you're in quite a sensitive position in terms of what you do and the fact that this is a very small island. <coughs> so you must run into your clients out and about because you do go out. I mean, I've seen you out and about parties and here and there. We're not all like purist yogic kind of <laughs> gurus on this island. We do we do like to go out and have a bit of playtime yeah, uh, as well to keep the balance alive. But, you know, how is that when you kind of run into Do you ever feel like, oh god I don't want them to see me like out and about here tonight no 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 totally not um you know I'm always in my authenticity um I am who I am and it's not like I'm doing anything uh naughty or bad and you know uh whatever is in, is happens in the therapy space um stays in that space so it's never you know I don't go into oh my god there's that person that uh earlier on had a complete breakdown you know it's it's forgotten almost um and uh yeah i know i don't get uh stressed about that at all it's uh, it is a small island um uh but I, I don't spread myself too thinly i think i've learned to really uh not keep myself to myself but just you know recognize that if i'm tired or i'm if i feel like my nervous system needs to rest then i will i won't i won't go out everywhere um, and so that when I am out and about, it's because I really am feeling good and strong and yeah. And what's, you know, 
I was never sure about moving from a wellness community in Brighton, which I found quite small. And, you know, it's one of those places where you literally, every time you leave the house, you run into someone you know. And I didn't used to like that there, actually. So I was quite surprised to find myself living in an island where actually <laughs> it's probably even worse. Definitely worse, actually, yeah. I would say. Or better, whichever way you choose to look at it. And mm. I have come into a point where I love that. I love that now, but I didn't before. So what do you like about living on such a small island and being sort of in the uh, the position that you're in in terms of wellness and, and your offering? Well, I mean, living on a small island, yeah, it can be a tricky one. Uh, as long as I have the freedom to leave when I get a bit of cabin fever, then I'm okay. Um, the important thing is is that I love doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I feel very blessed that my work is my passion, and uh, and I'm very you know, it brings me a lot of joy and happiness. Um, and, you know, living on a small island also has its benefits. Uh, you know, we are very, we're surrounded by, by beauty, the sea, and Ibiza is a very, very special place. Um, I really resonate with the land here. Um, you know, my, my actually coming to Ibiza, even back in those days, and it was never for the parties. I was never really into all of that. I'm not saying as a saint, but what really brought me to Ibiza is the land and the healing power in Ibiza because the what what's in this what's in Ibiza really holds space for my work I mean I can really tell the difference when I'm working here and in London it's a very different energy Ibiza supports that healing space incredibly well why why do you think that is um I think because of what Ibiza holds you know we're, we're it's a very magnetic island um uh, it's a lot of crystals in the earth and uh yeah so there's a lot of energy in the air that supports that i mean why do you think all these there even if they don't know aware of it why why have they all flocked here why why are so many people coming here for healing and um there's something very special in the land here and it's gone through many many battles many it's survived many many things and uh I think that's why it got into my blood. There's something here that's quite unique um, that I haven't found anywhere else. I mean, there are many beautiful places in the world, but there's something in Ibiza that I really resonate with, and I know a lot of other people do. Um, and it's definitely, it's in the earth here. Um, and that's what really brings me back here. That's That's where I will, that's what feeds me. I think it's interesting because, of course, a lot of, a lot of websites quote Ibiza as the third most magnetic place in the world with mm. the North and the South Pole being the first and the second and that, you know, that place is supposed to be Esfedra and of course if you do go hiking there which is just off of the coast mm. um, opposite that rock which exists yeah. um, separate to, to Ibiza you know, your GPS can get dragged off the map. Like it is actually really, 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 you know, there's something going on there. No one knows yeah. exactly what it is, I don't think. But is it really the most, third most magnetic spot in the world? I, I'm not sure about that, but there's definitely something very strong here. So it'll yeah. sort of exacerbate whether you're here to party. I mean, you're going to have the time of your life, or whether you're here to heal. Yes, it's going to be easier and more accessible, I think, somehow to do that here than anywhere else. So that's how it feels. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they say it's the third most uh, magnetic point. I mean, I can believe it. Um, you know, and it mirrors everything back at you, Ibiza. So if 
if you're having a great time partying, you're going to have a really good time partying. But if you're having a bit of a shitty time in a relationship, let's say, oh my God, are you going to have a shitty time in that relationship? It really does uh, bring everything for you to look at very closely. Um, and I think, yeah, funnily enough, I know Esvedra is a very magnetic point, but I, I um, find that the energy for me is, is up north much more I resonate with the energy in the north a lot more um, but yeah Esvedra they say that planes can't uh, fly over it because the engines go crazy so and that's where the pirates used to um, if ever they if their compass would break or whatever all the, the all the boats would end up magnetically arriving at Esvedra so there is something there absolutely I absolutely no denying it. I just, you know, yeah. sort of a lot of people poo-hoo this third most oh, magnetic really? place in the world business. And I don't think, you know, how would we do the litmus test on that really? But yeah. short of uh, <laughs> traveling the entire length and breadth of the globe with a with a little yeah. magnet and um, seeing where we get held most firmly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a great, you know, nothing would surprise me about Ibiza. It is the land where you expect the unexpected constantly because, because of its very nature and its powerful kind of like, you know... Um, <coughs> energy here um i think that word definitely gets banded around too much but yeah. when it comes to ibiza there's definitely something going on here and it is big and it is powerful and it definitely throws up a lot of um yeah whatever it is that you're up to whether it's good or bad it's gonna magnify that and um and give you a bit of a roller coaster ride which is always uh interesting. always interesting <laughs> yes let's be honest interesting no no it is exactly that's what it does and you've got to just learn how to ride those waves um, because they can sure be, you know, it is, it's a roller coaster. So when it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's really bad. But that doesn't, you know, that also uh, means that we can look at what, what the bad is and, and make it good. So, it's, it's, you know, it's not a negative thing. It's just that's the way it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not making light of it, but I always used to call it my abusive boyfriend. It was just like, you know, <laughs> someone I just couldn't quite leave. I almost really wanted to. Yeah. So many times, yeah. so many times, but something just always brings me back to try and make it work, fix that problem, you know, just, yeah. I don't know, make peace with whatever it is that wasn't working. And I've, you know, I've yet to kind of leave at all, in fact, yeah. really. I mean, I do duck out for a month here or there in the, in the wintertime because I can, but, you know, it is one of those addictive places that like, you it think really you've just is. had enough of it and you get off the island and then as soon as you've gone, probably within like less than a week, you're crying out to come back again. Yeah, yeah, you can't live with, can't live without. And, you know, um, not that I wanted to leave the time, the times that I did leave. I mean, the first time I was very young and, you know, I just came here for a season. The second time I left because of education for my daughter. I just felt it wasn't, the school wasn't right for her and we went back to the UK. Um, but there's, it was always inside of me. I knew that I had to come back. It was calling me back. And I just remember the day I was living um, in Paris. I had, you know, a great um, uh, business, um, great clients. I was doing really well. I could have stayed. It would have been really easy to just stay and, you know. But I, I could feel Ibiza was just calling me. Okay, you've done what you've got to do in Paris. Time to come back. And when I got back, I was a bit in I mean, Actually, when I got back, I was in shock because I lived here, the last time I lived here was in 99, to uh, actually Morad, my partner, helped open Bambuda. So it was in the days when, uh, yeah, Bambuda Grove had just opened, and um, it was a very different time back then. 
I'd come back on holiday, but you're on holiday mode, so very different. But when I came back uh, to live, I was like, oh my God, what's gone on? There's an explosion of yoga retreats and therapists. Because when I lived here in 99, I worked on a yoga retreat and I think it was the only one here. So, which one was that? I can't remember the name. It was run by a Belgium couple. I'm sure there was one or two other ones, but you know, nobody went to yoga retreats back then. It was just not, you know, there weren't many at all. Um, and I got back here, in, in, and everybody was either, you know, a massage therapist or this therapist or that therapist. And there was this retreat and that retreat. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, there's been an explosion of healing, which I thought, great. I mean, you know, Everybody's coming over here to do what they they need to do. It's, it's interesting, though. Mm. It's interesting. How, it is, yeah. and that's exactly why we're sitting here having this yeah, conversation because it's fascinating yeah. this journey from A to B and yeah. how this island has transformed, as it's obviously very good at, and in, in terms of all the kind of like pirates that used to visit here and all the medieval kind of parties oh, and God, chaos and um, yeah, the kind of den of inequity that it, it was sort of basically born to be but yet it has reached this point it's not about a turning point because there's always going to be the two things existing alongside one another you're never going to stamp out the party side but there is definitely Ibiza stands for Bess I mean that's the actually I'm not sure in what language what's Bess is it the Carthaginians anyway it's it stands for the the goddess of uh, of dance so, you know, we are living in a very, yeah, it is a party island. It's a dance island. It's a happy island. It's, uh, you know, so many things happen on this island. It's just amazing. And transformation is one of them, um, it, you know, on a personal level and on a healing level, you know, on all levels. It really is there's something in, in, on this island that, uh, yeah, that just works, doesn't it? Well, thank you very much for talking to us. We've actually been talking for a whole hour, so we are going to have to wrap it up here. Um, did you, well, you were going to offer one of your uh, wonderful healing therapies. Is that yes. is that a possibility for us? Oh my God, absolutely. You know, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, offer a, a session of craniosacral therapy. Um, yeah, when, when, wherever. And I can come to uh, do one on a retreat or or, or here in, in my... Um, retreat room here in my little room wonderful well it's a beautiful little spot here that's for sure and um yeah i mean obviously after everything we've just discussed i'm sure there'll be someone who'd be very glad to take you up on your very generous offer so emmanuel (laughs) thank you i got it right thank you so much for joining us here on the reset rebel thank you thank you joe the wonderful thing you're doing here i'm really um, i'm right behind you with all of this it's amazing really well done thank you very much <laughs> see you it's next week it's the reset rebel it's the reset rebel it's the reset rebel coming to you every day you heard it there Emanuela Passis uh, giving us a beautiful free craniosacral treatment out here on Ibiza for somebody who's going to be visiting us this summer and hopefully somebody who is going to be taking us up on one of our free retreat spaces um, on the resetrebel.com website so do go and check out what's up for grabs this summer on the island 
Um, there is a space also on the August Reset Rebel Retreat with me. Um, it's going to be daily yoga. We're going to have some incredible time um, stand up paddleboarding out in the gorgeous waters uh, that are going to be super temperate and bath-like by then um so do come and join us do check out the website www.theresetrebel.com see which retreat spaces are up for grabs this summer for somebody who needs them most for somebody who maybe can't afford it or is in heartbreak hotel is having a really tough time and needs a little reset in life right now so drop us a line to just the good news please with your information or someone you're recommending or nominating to come on one of these retreat spaces uh, in Ibiza and we will put that to our panel and be in touch super super soon so we had Emmanuel uh, on the podcast this week and we delayed our Alona edition on the fasting that is coming to you next week as well as a very special reset guest um a famous dj who's unveiling a brand new health and wellness project so we're really looking forward to bringing that to you um in the next coming 10 days but um hopefully you've enjoyed today's show um and hopefully you'll be staying tuned and keeping it locked across the summer don't go away 